0: Welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about Bill Clinton's wildest PG-13 fantasies so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read The President is Missing by Bill Clinton and James Patterson. Joining us to discuss this doubly ghost-written thriller is extremely reluctant politics junkie Carrie.
1: Hello. I want to say thanks to Carrie for joining us. I want to say special thanks to Robert Barnett, our lawyer and our friend who brought us together on this book, advised, cajoled, and occasionally cracked the whip. I want to say thanks to Hillary Clinton, who has lived with and worked against this threat and the consequences of unheeded warnings for her constant encouragement and reminders to keep it real. (laughs) To Sue Soli Patterson, who has learned the art of criticizing and encouraging often in the same breath and to the men and women of the United States secret service and all others in law enforcement, the military intelligence and diplomacy who devote their lives to keeping the rest of us safe and secure. And most importantly, thank you to our beloved Patreon patrons (laughs) who chose this book for us to read. And we read it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that if I was Bill Clinton saying Hillary Clinton, who has lived with this threat this without threat. being more specific about what that is, <laughs> yeah. it's like, like, you know, yours truly, the threat. Is that his nickname? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you may have noticed I or I noticed that I phrased my enthusiasm for politics not that differently than i generally phrase my enthusiasm for twilight which is (laughs) like why am i here this is going to make me angry and (laughs) i don't know it's it's been a rough few weeks here in virginia let me just tell you that Mm.
1: Mm. yeah but it could have been worse if there'd been a cyber security threat (laughs) yes if if
0: all of the world's computers were going to go offline in all of the Internet of Things is going to go offline and we are going to go back to the Dark Ages, that would
2: maybe probably be worse. Maybe would probably be worse. Well, because we couldn't do this podcast. Yeah. Thank you for the perspective. And I have been listening to a lot of podcasts <laughs> lately. So that's very true.
1: By the way, if it, if it wasn't clear, the middle part of what I said there was the uh, acknowledgments for this book that we read. <laughs> I'm not... I mean, I am thankful to Hillary Clinton for some things that she's done but not necessarily for living with this threat
0: (laughs) (laughs) this this was our patreon choice like renata said it's been on our radar for a while actually and Carrie long ago offered her services of returning to the show in order to talk with us about this book and
2: oh boy this was quite a ride I I apologize for not reading a plot summary I went by the title the president is missing and thought it was going to be about the president being kidnapped which I was really looking forward to and which did not occur
0: honestly this was not I mean we I know we say this a lot to folks who come on the show uh, and probably to you specifically because you're probably our guest who's been on the most frequently it's gotta be her compared to some of the shit we read like this was fine (laughs) it was
1: fine i okay my main emotions while reading this book were extreme secondhand embarrassment on behalf of bill clinton and his like blatant you know gary sue gary stew self-insert character who we'll get into in a moment but then also like i don't know the emotion of page turning like much as much is made of james patterson's like extremely short chapters like i when i make my notes for the podcast i usually do like chapter by chapter but i couldn't for a james patterson book because this has like 130 chapters and i can't make that many separate sections or i'll die so i condense things a little bit but like because they're such short chapters it really is just like you know, oh, yeah, I'll have another piece of popcorn. I'll read another chapter. Like, and every chapter ends on a cliffhanger, even if it's, like, an extremely low stakes cliffhanger. Like, I I don't know. It made it pretty easy to just keep flipping through, even as I was like, oh, my
2: God, Bill. Yeah, I listened to this at one and a half speed, um, which I, is normal for some people. It was a little fast for me. But also it worked out because um Dennis Quaid narrated the book and I think he sounded like he was drunk or he just didn't understand what was happening and he spoke very slowly it was hard to follow and there was the there are some chapters that are narrated by a female character which was done by a very very good narrator so it was a little bit jarring but um, it also made it fairly easy to tune out to the parts that I didn't care about so between the short chapters and the which I guess it's it's in the first-person-present short chapters with the yeah. cliffhanger at the end, which I think of as, like, the Hunger Games style. Uh, yeah. Although probably Patterson was doing it first, is my guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I do have to say, like, Dennis Quaid is a terrible audiobook narrator. I always i sometimes feel like when they have like it's always it feels like a a crapshoot because i'll have like if they have a famous actor being the narrator of an audiobook because some of them are really good and understand that narrating an audiobook or doing voice work is very different from acting and has a different skill set and some of them are very bad and dennis quaid is one who is very bad his attempts to do different characters were awful he just, he he didn't have the vocal inflection for it. It was all very flat. And his, like, gruff, like, pr- president voice was also bad. And... Like Carrie said, um, there were some chapters that were narrated from a female character's perspective, and they were done by January Lavoie, who I have talked about on this podcast many, many times because she's the narrator of some of my favorite audiobooks, and she's maybe one of my favorite audio. Well, she's definitely one of, if not my absolute favorite regular audiobook narrator working today. Yeah. And It was a terrible juxtaposition to go back and forth between January Lavoie, who is great at like doing accents and making different characters distinguishable and changing, you know, dialogue versus narrative and making the pacing of a book seem good. And Dennis Quaid, who was maybe reading a book for the first time ever, possibly based on his performance. Oh, bud. And there were also accents. So, you know, that's always great. Oh, yeah. His attempts to do accents, it was all, it was just very bad. And that was the most distracting. Like, his performance was more distracting to me than the content of the book. Like, the content of the book is fucking fine. It was not my taste. And it was very boring in parts. But like, I was so angry at him as a narrator that I didn't even care about the content.
2: I mean, by by parts, do you read the parts where it was just they were at meetings, having meetings, discussing meeting things?
1: A lot of meetings. Um, I have a statement and a question about the audiobook. Okay. Um, my statement is everyone kept talking about Dennis Quaid and I looked him up on IMDb because I was like, I know that name. Like, that's a famous person, but who is Dennis Quaid? And I I looked him up and it was like so many movies on IMDb, and I was like, No, 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 no. I've seen two of his movies and they are the Lindsay Lohan Parrot Triop. And Soul Surfer, the movie about the surfer who got her arm bit off by a shark. <laughs> amazing. That's amazing. That's my full familiarity with Dennis Quaid. That's that my is comment. a
0: very Renata. That is a very Renata. Uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's where my that's the overlap between my interest and Dennis Quaid's career.
2: He was married to Meg Ryan, and he oh, is okay. the dad of Jack Quaid, who is, I think, on The Boys... And I, now, now I, but yeah, he was like, a, he's like an 80s sort of briefly leading man, mostly character actor guy. Very handsome when he was younger, but kind of didn't last long, I don't think. So,
1: yeah, like I definitely, the name the name is a famous name to me, but then I was like, uh-huh. oh.
2: Um,
1: and then my question is when there were emojis in the book, did Dennis Quaid say like fire emoji out loud or how did they do that? Or did you guys know there's emojis in this book?
0: I didn't, when you were saying, oh, I want to read the text messages because of the emojis, I did not, I don't think they read them. Or if they did, oh they God. didn't say like, Like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't remember well enough, like what the actual text was that they read out loud, but it was not clear that there were emojis.
2: I feel like maybe he makes some reference to not understanding emojis as an old person, but that may also be in the text of the book. So I don't know okay he played jerry lee lewis in the biopic great balls of fire that seems to be the most notable thing that i can find and so yeah a lot of 80s movies that i've heard of but not seen so yeah and now he can add this to his imdb i i don't think
1: audiobooks are on imdb he could add it though if he was allowed <laughs> yeah. anyway um maybe we can move on to the content of the book rather than the, the medium okay please it. First off, let me tell you about the main character of this book. Yay! <laughs> I'm I'm covering my face with a blanket. I'm so embarrassed. It it is I <laughs> I
0: so I I don't know why. I, I don't particularly like like Bill Clinton, but for some reason I found this very obvious like mary sue self-insert white house fanfic to be like more funny than cringy okay but but
1: his his name is his name is president jonathan duncan and I, i wanted to do like a um my immortal thing but then i can't remember what color hair he has or anything
0: he he is a he is the current president none of the the parties the timeline and the part like a lot of the stuff in this is kind of murky because like they reference actual political figures including dick cheney and 9-11 having happened but they never mention parties of either duncan or his opposition but it is very clear like what parties they are a part of yeah when it takes place is kind of a question mark he is the current president of the united states he is a former army ranger who is a pow who is captured and tortured but he never gave up american secrets after yeah. the army he went on to become a successful professional baseball
1: player no after- excuse me excuse me that was before because oh, before the army because his injuries as pow prevented him from returning to baseball. Right. Because right. he thinks about that. He's like, if I hadn't joined the army because then I, I wouldn't be president now because I would still be a baseball player. Although I think he maybe probably would have aged out.
2: I don't know. Oh, I I have to say he gave himself biographical details from John McCain yes! the president of war which was weird to me and also Fidel so Castro who was a professional baseball player in Cuba before becoming um, president of Cuba so I'm like so those are the people that you kind of wished you had their lives I don't know I mean I, I feel like I I while I I can see the
0: comparisons I also just think that like if you are making your like super mary sue president sona like having him be a an, a star athlete and like a military hero are kind of like step number one like when i was reading it i never made those connections because it just seems like natural that if you were going to make this like most amazing greatest most you know president that everyone should like be proud of and who like had like his heart really like dedicated to the country having him survive torture at foreign hands and then like also be a star athlete of like america's
2: greatest pastime just feel like the natural first steps (laughs) you know what that's fair is there anything else that stands out about his personal life he had a
1: beautiful wife named rachel who's beautiful and smart and also a lawyer but she died tragically of cancer before the events of this book Yes. And he also is a
0: lawyer because after he came back from the war, since he couldn't play baseball, he went to law school and was naturally very great at law school as well. And that was the beginning of his political career before he, a handsome man, not even a 50 years old yet, became president of the whole united states Mm -hmm. and he has a very noble heart but like politics make it so hard for him to do the things that are right for this country
2: which is why if if you examine the things he's actually being criticized for you're like yeah he should probably be in trouble for that but anyway
1: um and then there's one more thing about him that it kind of it turns it into a little bit of like a hurt comfort fan fiction too because he has this like rare blood disorder called immune thrombocytopenia it's probably not how you say it but basically like throughout it he's like constantly in danger of like fainting or passing out from his blood disorder because he really needs to go to the hospital and get treated for it but he's so stoic and strong that he's like no i'm gonna like write out my blood disorder to save america
0: which, like, the second he was like, ah, yes, my, like, rare disease that I have. I was like, oh, Bill, you're writing West Wing fanfiction fiction now. Yeah.
2: So doesn't, he, he specific, doesn't he specifically mention on the West Wing the president had MS? Am, or I, am I imagining that? I didn't notice
0: that I mean I wasn't 100% paying
2: attention so it's possible it happened I I must have read that in a review now that I'm thinking about it, somebody was comparing it to the West Wing that would make more sense than him admitting to watching the West Wing but yeah I was like very clearly oh that's a good idea I'll use that yeah
0: Yeah. It, it was like the whole thing is just it is very it is very my immortal it is very like late 90s, early 2000s internet fan fiction, Mary
2: Sue. I, I I gotta mention something else about The Dead Wife, which is maybe just a function of me being a little bit older than you guys. But like the first thing I linked you guys to when we were reading this book is SNL used to do a segment where Daryl Hammond played um, Clinton in the 90s and did movie reviews. And they were only ones about presidents whose wives were dead. <laughs> And so he, I, I sent you the one about, um, I mean, it's, it's horrible. It's like, you know, it's like, okay, this is what Clinton's reputation was even before he was impeached. These are the jokes people were making about Hillary in the 90s. So everything about it is in terrible taste. But just the fact that I'm like, I immediately thought of that segment where he's like, and his wife is dead. Um, and then I'm like, and you used to that in your book (laughs) to make your character more sympathetic yikes
1: the other thing too is that his wife's name is rachel carson but i guess like not the silent spring one
2: presumably and you usually have to like clear names legally to use them so maybe they're like we'll use someone who's already famous and it's clearly not her so anyway
0: I so I my assumption with the dead wife was that if this book did well or like oh we're gonna do a sequel and we're gonna give him a love interest yeah which
2: which weirdly he has written a second has published a second book but apparently it's about a completely different character who is also the president
1: yeah it's (laughs) like not a sequel or or if it is I guess like I don't know maybe it's set in the present is missing verse but yeah it's not about
2: this guy so I was expecting him to have a love interest in the book but Same. that didn't happen. So yeah, anyway.
1: That actually maybe is the most restraint that he exercised here, <laughs>
2: is is not giving him one. And I, you know, I know enough about this guy's personal life that I am so, so thankful. So let's go forward.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. We should also say, like, obviously, James Patterson, noted user of Ghostwriters. Bill Clinton, presumably also... Um, So there's like a third guy. I didn't read all of the thank yous because it was long and a little bit boring. But one of them is David Ellis, who is an an actual writer of books. And we think he is probably the one who mostly, mostly wrote this.
2: That would be my guess. He certainly did a lot of the heavy lifting anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: It's the whole thing is just and this is maybe why it's kind of like hilariously. I don't want to use the word charming, but like funny to me is the thing it reads very much like if you are familiar with uh, the television show The Office you might <laughs> remember that Michael Scott has a series of spy novels that he writes about a character named Michael Skarn who is hmm. very clearly like a low key self insert and reading this I felt like I was reading like Bill Clinton's version of a Michael Scarn novel like this, yeah. this book reads like a parody it reads like if someone said to you Bill Clinton is writing a book about like an an action thriller with james patterson about the president of the united states like this is what somebody would come up with for like an snl sketch
2: or whatever by the way i have checked the president's daughter which is the one that came out this year it the the main character is former u.s president and ex-navy seal matt keating so completely different president also the main character this president does have a daughter though yeah, right. So that's why She's, I, I ass- yeah, I, I assumed when I saw the title of the sequel that it was going to be about him and the daughter, whose name I've forgotten, but unrelated. The daughter's name is is Lily. If yeah, I'm Lily. Thank you.
0: uh so let's let's get into. Though this is a book, one of those books where like. A lot happens, but also nothing happens.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And because of the short chapters, it sort of cuts back and forth between what different characters are doing. So in some cases, I think we're probably going to lump together a couple of chapters that happened in between, you know, and skip some stuff to put things together thematically rather than like strictly chronologically. Yeah. So
0: the book opens with uh, President Duncan is doing... it, It seems like he is testifying before congress yes but we find out actually uh at the end of this like little chapter that this is not an actual uh hearing in congress it is just him doing a preparation a mock hearing and it is about a phone call that he took with the noted terrorist uh sulaiman Sindaruk? Yeah, something like that, who is part of the fictional terrorist cell,
1: the Sons of Jihad. And and by the way, I wanna I wanna say this about Suleiman is that I feel like they were like trying to have it always because it is like a Muslim affiliated terrorist group, Sons of Jihad. But we get chapters from Suleiman's point of view, and he's like, I'm not a Muslim, like I don't believe in any God, and like Muslims are dumb, and so he's like I feel like that's him being like, ooh, ooh, like I'm having it both ways. And like, I I don't have anything against Muslims because this guy is not a Muslim. He's just a terrorist. Yeah,
0: he, he absolutely goes out of his way multiple times to say, like even President Duncan says like, oh, he's not, you know, he's from the Middle East, but he's not religious. Like he doesn't follow any religion and like islamophobia is bad and you know people muslim people are great and they you know are are not all terror like he goes out of his way to like really like make it clear that he's not islamophobic because this guy's not actually muslim and that makes it okay
1: Yeah, that one makes it record. that makes it okay to have the sons of jihad be one of the main villains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I feel like if he wanted to emphasize that they were not religious extremists, he could have not called them the sons of jihad, but yeah. what do I know?
1: Yeah, but then how would you know they were terrorists? <laughs> what a good point. <laughs> uh so he's
0: he's in this mock hearing, uh, and it turns out, like I said, that he's he took this phone call and he has been called to testify and All of his aides were like, don't do this. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. And they're like, okay, well, if you're gonna, then at least we need to do this mock hearing. And he does like lose his cool during it. And, you know, he's very frustrated that he knows that what he was doing when he was taking this phone call was you know the right thing to do but because of like protecting security secrets he can't tell anyone why so he is
1: he's preparing to do that and and here's we meet a couple key characters here one of them is the chief of staff carolyn brock aka carrie which is funny because our guest is carrie teehee And Carrie Brock was a, you know, well-respected Congresswoman and everyone thought she would be Speaker of the House, but she accidentally uh, got caught calling one of her opponents a quote, cocksucker on, like it was recorded and released. And then so she had, like, I forget if she resigned or if
2: she just lost. She lost her election. Um, And I will say Carrie is not based on me, but as a coincidence, I did once get in trouble for saying the same word um, when (laughs) I was a tutor in grad school and we were like hanging out in the back room. And unfortunately, a silence fell outside just as I was telling a very funny story. But I'm not going to say that (laughs) word. because I'm kind of afraid my mom is going to listen to this podcast. (laughs) So I was just quoting someone when I said that word, mom.
1: Yeah, quoting, quoting a former president as author so that makes it fine
2: yeah i don't know i don't think he's her fave but anyway well so
1: president duncan as narrator is like but i always like i respected carrie because when she got caught she said that you know a man wouldn't have gotten in trouble for saying cocksucker and like i respected her for standing up to misogyny and i'm like i mean cocksucker is kind of homophobic like i'm not like (laughs) I'm not here to defend misogyny, but also I don't know if that's totally like the best case for this.
2: <laughs> yeah. I feel like they could have picked something. This really felt like middle aged to elderly men trying to figure out what cancel culture would have been like in 2010. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, big time. And then also at this meeting, we meet the white house Counsel Danny Akers, who is the president's BFF, who they were both in the, in the army together and he's around and then they meet deputy chief of staff jenny brickman who's actually not that important but she is here also
0: yeah so we meet we meet all of them we hear about the vice president his woman named katherine something or other kathy brant uh we learned that she was the front runner for the nomination when you know he came up from behind and ended up winning and she's still kind of like jealous and bitter about this but also is like really smart and like a really good politician and he really trusts her or does he question mark
1: Mm. foreshadowing does he should he as we occasionally get suspicious interludes from her. Yes. And we get a lot of background on all of these characters.
0: We get a lot of background on his blood disorder. And we find out that because of the potential for hearings and impeachment, his stress levels have really gone up. So he's having a flare up of his blood disorder. And like normally like his platelet count should be, everyone's platelet count should be in like the six digit area. But right now his is down to like... 20 something thousand. And if it gets to 10,000, he needs like immediate medical care because he could drop dead. But he's like, no, like, it's fine. I can tough it up. I'm not down to 10,000 yet. And his doctor's like, yeah, but that's like worst case scenario. You really need to like not die all of a sudden from this disease. And he's like, no, like you can't give me the treatment because it'll make me my brain fuzzy and I can't, I have to be sharp and I can do it because I'm a tough former military former baseball playing awesome handsome
1: president
2: Who, who didn't take time off when his wife died so i'm sure is very psychologically well well adjusted about that yes totally
1: fine by the way she didn't want him to he says um also so we get like the book is also broken into days and so thursday is the um the mock hearing and sort of introduction to staff and then an interlude from this sexy lady assassin named Bach, who is just sort of like giving her little thoughts as she prepares for doing different murders. And then Friday is the next day, and Friday, Friday is when the plot kicks off. Friday's when the plot kicks off, and Friday is also when Blood Disorder kicks off. It starts. This is one of the like page twenty chapters. Is he like wakes up at four a.m. and texts Carrie to see did it happen yet? And it didn't happen yet. But we don't know what it is. Just that it didn't happen. I
2: hate it when I get those texts at (laughs) 4am.
0: So uh, we find out that a young girl has... Well, first he meets with um, the Speaker of the House and is like, listen, here are the reasons why... I took this phone call. I really don't want to have to testify in front of Congress. I don't want to do this hearing because I was working in, you know, for the national security and like, I can't tell you more details, but here are some details that I'm telling you so you'll understand why I made this choice. But of course, the speaker is like, ah, like, I understand why you did it, sort of, but also like politics and I need to like stand up to my party and I whatever, you still have to come to the hearing. And he's like, grouchy about that. But we also find out that a woman has come to Duncan's daughter, when she was studying in Paris, and gave her the code word dark ages to pass on to her father. And dark ages is what his like inner circle has been calling this computer virus that they found out about. And Only like
1: five people know that code word. Only eight people. Sorry, it's important because this comes up a lot. There's only eight people, the gang of eight that knows it.
2: I would like to say that code words generally are randomly assigned to initials and then you add random words to them. And so I think that you probably would not want a top secret code name to refer to something where you could kind of infer what it might be about. But anyway, I was never president, so maybe I'm wrong. You have a dark age, it sounds cool.
0: Fair. So he uh, he has agreed to invite this girl who went up to his daughter to the White House to meet with her to see what she knows about this cyber virus. threat. Yes, this virus. And she does arrive and she tells him like that she worked on it and she knows about it, but she only knows half of it. That she has a partner, they're defecting from Suleiman, who he knows had the virus. And... Uh, She knows half and then her partner knows half and he needs to talk to her partner and to do so he needs to go alone to a baseball game with no secret service to meet with her partner later that day and then once like he meets with her partner like they'll all get together and they'll talk about like what they know about the virus and how to stop it.
1: And here we get one of my favorite like horny little interludes where – he, President Duncan, goes off to meet with one of his old friends and one of Rachel's old friends, who is, of course, a beautiful, famous actress, who I thought was going to be his love interest, but actually turned out not to be.
2: I wonder if that was a plot line that was cut because somebody decided it would be in poor taste to be like, oh, my best friend, my wife's best friend de- decided we should get together, I will say, since my mom is not, my mom may be listening."
0: To me, it felt like it was like a kind of like, oh, like subverting expectations Where were like, oh, you thought this was going to happen, but it's not because he, you know, is focused on the mission and not on like horniness, even though he is a little <laughs> bit focused on horniness. Always, always
2: 10%. But he goes to her because she helps him with makeup because apparently this famous actress does all of her own stage makeup and but it mostly... Could seems to consist of just putting a baseball cap and a fake beard on him or whatever, and that's also the scene where I'm definitely against fat shaming, and I don't think people should be judged for those reasons. But there is a, a sentence with the beautiful actress says something like, "No one could ever have thought you were fat at any point in your life," and I'm just like Bill because you know his weight was something that has been covered when he was president. He obviously was somebody that people thought was a very attractive man. So I don't think he needs to be insecure about it. But you wrote in a Mary Sue beautiful actress to tell your Gary Stu that he had never been fat for a day in his life. And I felt really, really bad when I read that part.
1: Yeah. He's never been fat, but now he's like extra skinny because of his blood disorder.
2: Yeah. Well, right. It's like, that, that's the other thing. Well, you look so good now that you may be dying is also a thing that happens in our medical system. So, Yeah. So, so yeah, he
0: he's come. He has snuck out against the secrets. I mean, he's not really sneaking out, like
2: yeah, Hadassah is involved now. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, he is kind of sneaking, like he. He really has to strong arm the Secret Service into not tailing them because apparently it's like a important show of faith that he show up to the baseball game with no protection. Yeah, but he's not. I mean, like everything is set up for him by like his chief
0: of staff in the Secret Service. There's a car waiting for him. There's like a duffel bag in the car. He has a phone set up so that he could contact certain people and their numbers have been pre-programmed in. Um, and he's like going undercover and he shows up at this baseball game and meets with this guy and you know convinces him that he he's ready to help with him so they go to leave the baseball game so that they can meet up with Nina and like get to the work of making this virus not happen and on their way out the power goes out while they are walking towards the van where Nina is waiting and Nina is assassinated by Bach who we have met earlier. And it should be said, they've explained a little bit about this virus. And basically, I think we mentioned it at the beginning, what it does is it theoretically is going to go into any device that is connected to the internet, including like the internet of things, and wipe all of its files and code and memory so that like it'll essentially brick every single device in the country including like things that are hooked up to the power grid and water purifying plants and all sorts of things like that and it will send america into chaos into, into the dark ages if you will yes uh, and they spend a lot of time both when they first introduced this and then later on going into every single fucking detail of how this would work like the no- the amount of time they spend being like and then you can't get into banks because x y and z and then because you can't get into banks this will happen and because a b c that means this will happen too and and i was just like we get it like we don't need 10 chapters explaining this
1: I will say also like I don't know very much about computers and I feel like someone who did know very much about computers would be like well that's ridiculous because blah 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 like when we read the Dan Brown novel with our friend Sarah who has a PhD in genetics and she's like well that's ridiculous because genetics doesn't work like that and I was just like. Oh, it sounded very plausible to me. Like that's how I feel about this. I was like, "Oh, that's scary." Ooh. I like, yeah. and it, and it, like I, I do
0: like I, you know, similarly. Like it's, it's very clearly like a, an interestingly thought out threat, and it does sound bad. But it also, like, I am not kidding in the amount of pages that are spent dedicating to literally everyone sitting in a room while one person explains what the virus does in minute detail about not even what the virus does but what will happen on account yeah. of this virus like yeah. what i just summed up here is multiple chapters mul- of the book multiple
1: and that is one perk of reading it in print is it was easier to skim so i was like okay got it check
2: I, I, there's definitely an art in this kind of book there's either you're really an expert on this kind of field and people who are reading it want to read chapters of detailed things that make sense or you are clearly not an expert and yet you continue talking when i was convinced i didn't need all of that so i'm with kate yeah
1: yeah, yeah. i'm not defending it i'm just saying i was like ooh plausible. <laughs> yeah. also i want to read this part from my notes it's not actually a quote but i throughout this he's been like someone linked dark ages and it only could have been someone from the gang of 8 and it only could have been one of these 8 people and i made note of who these 8 people are and half of these people aren't even in the book like you you know that it's one of a handful of suspects really so it could have been vice president kathy who's very suspicious um sam haber the head of uh dhs which i mean what is that domestic department of homeland security yeah that's it i just wrote the initials and i forgot them um the head of the nsa brendan mohan rodrigo sanchez the chairman of the joint chiefs as does rodrigo have one line in this book no where is he where's rodrigo um the defense secretary dominic dayton this the head of the cia erica Beatty, who we do hear from and um and then it could it couldn't be the new acting director of the fbi who I only wrote Liz because he only calls his she's in his phone as FBI Liz. And I forgot her last name. I think it's Greenwalt, But yeah. Oh, so yeah. Anyway, FBI Liz is absolved because she's only had the job for 10 days. And this dark age of stuff started two weeks ago. So there's obviously no way she could have known about wow. it. Wow. And then Carolyn Brock is a member, but she's ruled out just because she's his right hand man. And like, if he can't trust her, who can he trust?
2: So there are only two real suspects one of whom the book is going out of the way to make shady AF and the other one that the book is going out of the way to say how great and trustworthy they are. And I don't know, if you've ever read a book before, you might guess where this is going.
1: Yeah. Well no, that's what I'm saying is he says Carolyn is specifically not a suspect. Of the people that he considers suspects, like really only Erica and Kathy and Sam are in it. So there's sort of like really three suspects, right?
2: I mean, I'm just saying, as a reader, yeah. when you're sort of making your list of who could be the bad guy, I'm oh, just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that I kind of see where this is going.
0: So they, they, the the power goes out when this when they're at this leaving this baseball game. Uh, Nina is killed, and thanks to the president's army ranger training, he's able to get. Augie, who is the person who he met at the baseball game, Nina's partner, down until the Secret Service comes in because the Secret Service was secretly tailing him and knew he was there the whole time. So they swoop in and rescue him, but during their escape, uh, another, they're ambushed on a bridge and two secret service men die, but the president is able to get Augie into a car and drive away from the scene of the accident before any of the, the terrorists can follow him and get to a safe house. And, and the safe house,
1: the safe house is Carrie's house.
0: Yes. So they go to the safe house. There's a bit in here too, where the vice president meets with the speaker of the house And the speaker, it's like a very like hush, hush, like secret meeting. And the speaker is basically like, look, like I have enough votes to impeach the president. If you can get 12 votes from your people onto our side, we can impeach him and you'll become president. And all I ask in return, like I will support anything you want to do as president, but you have to put my daughter on the Supreme Court. (laughs) And, And that's the deal that I want to make with you. Uh, And it's kind of like left as a cliffhanger, what she's going to say to him. But it is now after escaping to Carrie's house as a safe house and then going from there to another better safe house.
1: Well, I want to say at Carrie's house, he passes out because of his blood problem and then he wakes up and it's Saturday. (laughs) That's like the transition.
0: (laughs) Uh, So his doctor, like, wants him to have his infusion, like, right now. But he's like, no, I have to save the world. Because they found out from Augie that this virus is going to be unleashed sometime on Saturday. So they Now it's
1: Saturday. Ah. Yes.
0: So they only have a few hours to figure out, like, how to stop the virus. And he needs to get to work immediately. So he just, like, takes the IV that she's already hooked him up to with him. And they go to a, like, huge like mountain hunting cabin that belongs to like a tech bro friend of his
2: (sighs) (laughs) do you have some thoughts on that Carrie? i don't know it's just you know i don't want to get my own personal politics into this too much but it's Uh just like i would say it's revealing to see who mr clinton thinks that that the president's best allies would be let me put it that way
0: so he he has he has gone there and he has ordered like the CIA's best hackers to go there and has also invited the president of Germany, the prime minister of Israel and the president of Russia to bring their best hackers and meet him to help because Germany and Israel have like the best cybersecurity teams and Russia has the best c- cybersecurity threats. <laughs> uh-huh. And he thinks that, you know, all of them working together should be able to like try and figure this out along with his like best guys and Augie. And Augie, so the woman who was killed, Nina, she was the one who wrote the virus. She's like the programmer and Augie is the hacker. So he can help them find the virus, but he doesn't know enough about it to know how to stop It's how they they
1: tie up that plot hole. (laughs) He had invited the Russian president because, and it was also partly a test because he thinks Russia might also be behind this or like partly behind it. And so when Russia sends the prime minister instead of the president and the president is basically like cough, cough, I'm sick. (laughs) <laughs> and and Duggan's like boo you whore and then so <laughs> them them not sending the actual president like is suspicious yes and there's a lot of chapters in here
0: where it's just everybody sitting in meetings talking about how bad this virus would be and all of the things that they're trying to do in order to counteract the virus
1: yeah and then also uh, the we cut back and forth bach the sexy assassin is and by the way it's her narration but she does think of herself as sexy and she (laughs) also but she also keeps having these like upsetting thoughts about like she's from she's serbian and like being like these upsetting once again i forgot to do a content warning this is so brief she had like a lot of like sexual assault as a child and then as an adult sort of more of like a like transactional sexual relationship, but just a lot of her just thinking about like all the unpleasant sex she's had to get to where she is as a sexy pregnant assassin who like, this is her one last job and then she can get out and
2: have a good life for her baby. Sure. Uh, this kind of goes into the, like we're talking about keeping it PG 13, how nobody's having like fun, enjoyable sex, but it's okay for the women particularly to to have um, you know disturbing sexual trauma in their past because that's more all right I don't know
1: yeah um, anyway so she is like approaching the compound and like they think it's secure because it's surrounded by water but she's like on a boat bitch She's coming, and the the Secret Service is very concerned about the safety of the president. But the
0: president points out multiple times that like he is clearly like not the target. The target is probably Augie because they had a chance to kill him, Augie, and Nina. And Nina was the hardest target to hit, but she was the first target to be hit. So probably like they're not after him. And there's also so here's here's the thing the the quibble that i have with the title of this book which is the president is missing the president is missing for less than 24 hours and it is treated as this like like he's been gone for a week like it the all of the like uh his like staff and everything is like oh no like he's not at the white house but like we know where he is and he's like working on like the problems of the nation and like less than 24 hours has gone by since they last since the press has last seen specifically where the president was or heard from him and suddenly every single newspaper and television is running with this the president is missing headline when really like no
1: time has passed like he could be sleeping this whole time like it's not yeah. like i mean i guess because like the impeachment is impending also makes it suspicious but yeah it's not that long he
0: hasn't like canceled or
1: missed anything. Yeah, but Kathy Brand gives this, like really suspicious press conference where she's like, "Oh, he's not missing." Like, I don't know why you would say he was missing. I don't know why you would suggest that he's had a nervous breakdown and been hospitalized or is like actively doing terrorism right now. <laughs> Who is saying that? Not me. Goodbye.
2: Wow.
0: <laughs> so that's why the president is missing. He's he's really not. I don't know why they called it this, but fucking whatever.
1: Because it's because it's a more catchy title. If you're like, "Ooh, the president was kidnapped," it worked on Carrie, and here I we know. are oh i'm upset (laughs) by the way in in with all the typing like it's like montage of typing but in book form which is which is as kate said very boring but president duncan figures out the virus because he's like explain it to me and he's like i don't get it i think you guys are too smart and then he's like oh (laughs) so what if it's just so, the virus deletes everything. What if you delete everything first? And they're like, um, then everything would be deleted, Mr. President. And he's like, no, you're too smart. When I was in the army, you know how I survived? It's because I played dead. What if you make the files play dead? And they're like, wow, you're so smart, Mr. President. And then it <laughs> works. <laughs>
0: By good, I mean terrible. It's awful, but like, as it was happening, I was like, "Fucking of course!
1: Like, of course, he solved it with his like everyman smarts." Yeah, this this is like less a presidential fantasy and more just like a boomer fantasy of like I outsmarted the youth.
0: (laughs) It's so good. So he also, during this, they have also found Nina, the woman, the virus writing woman who had, uh, who was killed. She had two cell phones that were recovered from the site of her assassination. And they are able to break into first the one that she had been using to contact Suleiman. And then they're working on breaking into the other one, which they find out she was using to contact the mole inside the u.s government who knew that this was happening and throughout all of this there's a lot of like who could it be and a lot of suspicion put on uh vice president kathy like a lot
1: i mean i i thought it was rodrigo sanchez the whole time <laughs> it,
0: like it the the thing is it's one of those things where it's so obvious
1: that it's not her yeah It's just, like, too shady, yeah. Yeah.
0: There's too much, like, it's too, they spend way too much time thinking that it's her and, like, making her look suspicious for you to think even for a second that it's actually her. And then she, like, offers to take a polygraph test once he reveals to her, like, what's been going on. And then she does, and it's inconclusive. And the whole time, as a person who watches a lot of murder shows, I was like, polygraph tests mean jack shit. Like, why... (laughs) And then they go on to say that later, like after she takes it and it's inconclusive, he's like, well, actually, you know, when I was in the army, like I took polygraph tests and I lied and I passed because of my training. (laughs) And it's like, then why did we have this diversion in the first place?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: They do a lot of computer stuff and they, they use the president's, you know, genius boomer plan to figure out how to get into the to disable the virus disable the virus but there's still there's a second roadblock that they hit like they're able to sort of disable it but they have to enter a password that nina came up with
1: okay as i understood it his idea didn't actually work it kind of worked and then it it didn't work and they were like i think they're kind of like it would have worked if we had more time to like properly get all the files to play dead but like we couldn't fully do it and so the virus is actually working but then it stopped and they're like oh this is a-, a test like we have 30 minutes to put in this pass not a test like a like a trial like a a threat kind of a threat which is interesting because earlier augie had specifically said like this isn't ransomware there's not any kind of actual threat because they definitely want to do it because their goal isn't to get money or isn't to get you know anything from you they their only goal is to like destroy the united states of america dun, dun, dun. and so then when it asks, it pauses and asked for the password he's like oh it wasn't supposed to do that and that's when they realize that nina had put in a fail safe kind of override where they have 30 minutes to put in her secret password to stop the virus from like fully virusing you're
0: correct you i i was kind of glossing over everything in the, the name you know what of- that's that's fair, <laughs> but yes, you are correct. They he came
1: up with a thing and it would have worked, but it didn't because of the time frame. And then yeah. this happened. Well, and I had just wanted to say, like that it, it specifically wasn't ransomware because they just hate America yes
0: so they he goes they were headed back to the the white house and he has informed everyone of like what the situation is and everyone's trying to guess the password and this was the most like they're like well try her name try sullivan's name try augie's name try her birthday try her pet's names and i'm like this woman is supposed to be a genius programmer and you're like try
1: try the word password like (laughs) extremely that
2: assume the best hacker in the world has had no has not had the kind of security training that like i have to take and sign off on annually at my office so someone doesn't hack into my not very important i don't mean that but you know my not my not very important job compared to the entire internet dying
0: yeah, like, I, I have to change my password, like, fucking every 60 days, and it needs a capital letter and a lowercase letter and a symbol and a number, and it has to be this long, and it has to – it can't involve any sequence of digits that was in the previous, like, it's it's insane, and hers is the name of her hometown, it turns out, spoiler alert.
1: Yes, and it's it's counting down to 30 minutes, and someone suggests it, but spelled wrong, they're like – I forget the name of the city but they spell it slightly wrong and then with like one minute left to go Carrie's like wait I think you spelled the name of the town wrong I think it has a a U instead of an O and they type it in and that was it.
0: Yes. And it's it's set up very, like, when they're going through all the possibilities, she's like, well, what what was her goal? And isn't it going home? And they were like, yeah, it was going home. Put it in the name of her country. And when that doesn't work, she's like, well, well maybe it, it should be more specific. Like, what's the name of the city where she lived? And then they put it in spelled wrong. And there's like this moment where the vice president whispers something and he's like, Oh, like, what was that, Kathy? And when she says it, it's not, it has nothing to do with that. It's like his daughter's name. And he's like very disappointed. And then Carrie's like, oh, no, but I think you spelled it wrong. And they're able to save the day. Except then we find out that actually... It was a trap. It was a trap the whole time. Because after they decoded her other cell phone, where she was talking to the person who was the leak he was able to figure out like it, the person never said explicitly who they were, but Nina did tell them the password to stop it. So they knew it. And because Carrie was able to put the password in at the last second, like it's very clear. And she was pushing them down that road that she was actually the leak the whole time. And Kathy had nothing to do with it. And also saying their names out loud over and over again has made it clear how closely they are audibly and that's a bad on you president clinton i can't believe that no one told you to maybe change one of those names
1: we also we also get um an interlude we keep getting interludes with solomon the horny terrorist who is like actively having an orgy and then he this is very complicated and I don't care but like some Saudis had paid the Sons of Jihad to do the virus but also Russia? Question mark. Anyway because the virus didn't work the Saudis come and kill Solomon so he is dead. RIP. They also catch Bach the sexy assassin and she just wants her. She's like I'll surrender and I'll tell you whatever you want to know but like let my brother adopt my baby so my baby can grow up safe and they're like fine. And then we get the well, so then he meets with the Russian embassy because he has found
0: out this thing about the Russians, and he kicks the entire Russian embassy out of the U.S. And then we get the part that made me actually like cry, laugh out loud as we got it to the point where when I I was on my way to an event that Renato was also at. And the moment I got there, I was like, listen, before we start this, I need to tell you what I just listened to in the car and how excited I am to talk about it.
2: And it is
0: the impeachment hearings are canceled, but the president is still invited to Congress on Monday because now instead he's going to address Congress and the nation. And he gives
1: the most absurd speech (laughs) <laughs> it, and it, it's clearly again just like a self insert of Bill Clinton being like let me take in a moment to address the country and tell you all what I think the problems are and how I would fix them if I were once again allowed to be a cool sexy president <laughs> and it's
2: just it, it, is isn't an absurd speech or is it just an extremely bland, I mean, maybe I've just been hanging around political campaigns too long. <laughs> it's just like extremely bland and unremarkable Democrat person running for president with no specific ideas kind of speech it's about
0: <laughs> It's it's place the length that it is in this book, the amount of space that it takes up. And the fact that it was written by Bill Clinton is what makes it absurd. Like it is so clearly him being like, well, if I were still president, here's how I would fix everything. And it's it has no reason for being in the book. absolutely none whatsoever. And it is incredibly long. And it's just him being like, well, first we need to fix vote, like the voting rights in this country. So we need to do this. And then we need to redistrict. And then we need to do this. And then also like climate change is very bad. And here's how I think we should fix climate change. And then this is bad. And this is bad. And like going through like every political talking point and how President Duncan, quote unquote, is planning to fix it. And it just, I was literally cry like i could not stop laughing i was afraid i was gonna crash my car (laughs) it
2: it was just i agreed that it is hilarious that he chose to end the book that way yeah
1: and then technically there's an epilogue after that where it's like and then my approval ratings were super high and my blood platelets were great and my (laughs) daughter got to like return to school and everything was super great Yes, and we passed all this legislation,
0: and like the the world is going to fix itself, and it's all thanks to me, President Duncan, the hot baseball playing POW, uh, tragic widower president and everything's great now
2: who who did shady off the cover thing undercover things he did not want congress to know about but for good reasons to keep you safe yeah Yeah. it's just well although he does not he does not mention that part in his speech that's just in the book
0: i mean he he does though like that is the that's the other reason why it's absurd is that he the speech he takes The entire speech, like point by point, he's like, on this day, I found out about this virus and then I had the phone call with like the bad guy and it was for this reason. And then after that, like I had to do this and I wanted to do this, but unfortunately it was, uh we were intercepted. So it looked like I was trying to protect him, but really I wasn't. And then the Speaker of the House wanted to call me in because he is bad. And then like I told him why I had to do it, but he still tried to call. Like, he goes he summarizes the book like yeah he step does
2: step. yeah yeah I, I, that's that's a good point i feel like maybe he's like i know it sounded like i was saying it was okay to do shady off the record stuff out of congressional supervision but really i was gonna tell everybody all of it so yeah. sure
1: between this and his like thank you at the beginning i i feel like there must be some like real shady shit that bill clinton did and he which by the way i i was a young brag i don't know what i don't know a ton about of details about the clinton presidency besides like the obvious like monica Lewinsky stuff like i, I like did he do like he must have done something like secretly very terrible and he's like but i had good reasons and you can never know like i, I mean,
2: don't know yeah i mean there were like you know bombing i guess They didn't technically start a war war, but they like bomb places from time to time, including like after the impeachment started. And people are like, it's very convenient that you're bombing stuff to change the headlines, whether or not that's really why. I also thought some of the congressional testimony stuff was probably inspired by the Benghazi hearings with Hillary. Oh, yeah, that's when, a good point. when she was Secretary of State. So he does, he has a little bit of it it's going back to the 90s, but I think a lot of it is, you know, from having, from Hillary having. Been in the Obama administration, he probably was paying a lot of attention to that. But yeah, it was. I'm I just trying to imagine if like Joe Biden get up and gave that speech. It's just, and yeah. it's also just not
0: very well written. I mean, there's there's obviously like it's a James Patterson book. It's not real great written throughout <laughs> the whole thing. But trying to like wrap, put my suspension of disbelief, embrace my suspension of disbelief, to believe that a president would get up and say this speech, which is just. Not is not well written. In addition to being like, let me tell on the Speaker of the House and the Republican Party, and then like give you like a really broad overview of all of my thoughts on every social issue currently happening in this country. Like just on a sentence level, it's very poorly written.
2: Yeah, poor poor buddy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, so so do, do do we want to talk about what Carrie's motives were for being the traitor? I
1: mean, she she wants to be legally allowed to say cocksucker.
2: (laughs) It it definitely gave me a lot of the just sort of, you know, the vibe that if a woman is the bad guy in some kind of media, she'll immediately, because I feel like like, way back, one of the first ones we did was Disclosure, which was like the female sexual harasser. um, And then just whenever she gets caught, she gives this crazy, Unhinged villain speech, and this is like nowhere near that because I think he wants to present as somewhat feminist, which I don't think Michael Crichton ever really wanted to do. (laughs) But um, yeah, so it's just kind—I was just kind of like, oh yeah. But it it was, but so it's basically like all the reasons you thought the female vice president was mean and power-hungry were not true, but this other woman was.
0: Yeah, yeah, basically her plan was that she would frame the vice president and he would uh force the vice president to resign and then name her, Carrie, as his new vice president, and she could get back the political career that she lost when she said cocksucker to a friend <sighs> during lunch and someone recorded it. Oh my, my, my.
2: Uh, so yeah. I feel like that's the that's the book. Yeah. yeah. Should
1: we move on to our dramatic readings? Yeah.
0: Um, So my dramatic reading is first. I did find this part like weirdly charming. While the president is sneaking out to meet up with Augie at the baseball game, he is driving a car for the first time in several years, and he is very confused by the process. And I did, I did find this weirdly charming. And interestingly enough, I was talking. I was driving a friend home from uh, a club meeting that I was at earlier tonight, and she was expressing basically the same sentiment expressed in this paragraph because she's driving for the first time since high school because she's moved to the suburbs and she basically said everything he says here as promised the car is the fourth from the end on the left a nondescript sedan an older model silver with virginia plates i hold out the remote and push the unlock button for too long causing every door to unlock and then a series of beeps to sound i'm out of practice i haven't opened my own car door for a decade Behind the wheel, I feel like someone fresh out of a time machine transported into the future by this mysterious contraption. I adjust the seat, turn the ignition, gun the gas once, throw it into reverse, and turn my head to look back, my arm over the passenger seat. As I slowly back out of the space, the car emits a beep that grows more urgent. I hit the brakes and see a woman walking behind the car on the way to hers. Once she's passed by, the beeping stops. Some kind of radar and anti-collision device? I look back at the dashboard and notice a backup camera. So I can drive in reverse while facing forward, watching the screen? They didn't have that 10 years ago. Or if they did, my car sure as hell didn't have it. I navigate the sedan through the garage, the lane surprisingly narrow, the angle sharp, it takes me a few minutes to get the hang of it again, jumping forward too abruptly, breaking too harshly, but then it feels like yesterday that I was 16, driving that beater Chevy off the lot of crazy Sam Kelsey's new and used autos for
2: $1,200. I actually got a new car, a new-to-me car, around the start of you know our current... Um, panini and i didn't drive it very much for about a year so i myself have also only been getting used to the fact that my car has a backup camera and the beeping and all that so i did have a moment of i'm like okay i just found super astronaut president pow baseball Duncan relatable for half a second (laughs) Um, he's not an astronaut technically
1: yeah but he does have like an astronaut mike dexter vibe about him yeah (laughs) Okay, so next up uh, is, you know, another relatable moment from President Duncan for for anyone who's ever tried to express themselves artistically.
2: We're doing the moment about how he met his deceased wife, Rachel Carson. Well, this is, I'm going to start with, he has met her, I'm not going to read all this, but he met her in a law school class where he was charmed by the fact that she answered the question correctly. I, and he was wrong. I don't really think she has said anything with the, in his interaction with her to express any interest in him as a human being. She's just trying to do her work and go to class. And so he is now obsessed with her and decides to go and see her in the library. And I will say this is all presented as charming because apparently it was successful. So this is him approaching her with her friends. I eventually mustered my courage and found her in the library, sitting at a long table with several of her friends. I told myself again that this was a bad idea. My legs had a different notion, though, and suddenly I was standing by her table. When she saw me coming, she put down the pen in her hand and stared. I wanted to do this in private, but I was afraid that if I didn't do it now, I'd never do it. So go on, you dumbass, before someone calls security. I removed the piece of paper from my pocket. Unfolded it and cleared my throat. throat) By now, I had the entire table's attention. I started reading. The first two times you heard me speak, I sounded like a fool. I made about as much sense as a top hat on a mule. I wasn't sure a third attempt would do me any better, so I decided that I'd put my thoughts down in a letter. I peeked at her, an amused smile flirting with her face. She hasn't walked away yet, I said getting a chuckle from one of her friends. A good start. My name is John. I come from here, a town near Boomer. I have good manners, listen well, a decent sense of humor. I have no money, have no car, no talent as a poet, but I do possess a working brain, though I often fail to show it. That line got me another chuckle from her friends. It's true, I said to Rachel. I can read and write and all that junk. I'm sure, I'm sure. May I keep going? By all means. She swept her hand. You're here to study, says my buddy. Remember Professor Waite? But for some reason, I just can't concentrate. I'm reading the section on equal protection, the law and racial quotas. But instead, I'm thinking of a green-eyed girl from Minnesota. She couldn't suppress her smile, her face coloring. The rest of the women at the table applauded. I bowed at the waist. Thank you very much, I said, doing my best Elvis invitation. I'll be here all week. Rachel didn't look at me. I mean, if nothing else, the fact that I rhymed Minnesota.
1: No, that was impressive.
2: She agreed, her eyes closed. All right then, ladies, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to pretend that this whole thing went well, and I'm going to leave while I'm ahead on points. I walked slowly enough for her to have caught up with me if she wanted. And I don't think we get any more detail on how they actually did come to get together. I would also say that if I was hypothetically a former president and like a large amount had been of taxpayer dollars had been spent to investigate what my romantic pickup game might be like and had been published in thousands of pages in detail for Americans to read. And I think there's now a Ryan Murphy miniseries on fx i don't know if like that's what i would go for to show what a good romantic ladies man i was but it definitely could be worse i don't think he's trying to i
0: to look like a ladies man i think It's the opposite that he's trying to be like, ah, shucks, like, I'm just like a nerdy guy trying to ask out a lady who's like way better than I am and who I think is way cooler and smarter than me. Like, I think it's his attempt to try and be relatable and not like a suave ladies man.
2: Yeah. Oh, no, I don't think he's trying to be suave, but I think he thinks that that's more charming than it is. But I also agree that I would rather read this than what I suspect his actual game is actually like. Ugh. And that was very hard to read because the poetry, as you can tell, did not scan in any way at all.
1: Yeah, the poetry is very strange. Like, whatever. By strange, I mean bad, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm. The poetry
1: is bad. Our last dramatic reading, well, maybe our second to last dramatic reading, is uh, just some of the text messages between Nina and the unknown caller, who we now know, of course, is Carrie. And so our Carrie will read those parts
2: and I'll be Nina. Okay. Unknown caller. I read your note, obviously. Who are you, and how do I know this is serious? Nina.
1: You know I'm real. How else would I know the precise moment down to the second that the virus appeared on your Pentagon server? And then Nina, about half an hour later. No response? You have nothing to say? And Nina, another half an hour later. You don't believe me? Fine. Then watch your country go down in fire emoji instead of being hero you can explain to potus that you could have stopped this but didn't from hero to goat emoji so sad putting a footnote i want to talk about the goat emoji later and then nina 45 minutes later why would i lie about this what do you have to lose why are you ignoring me nina 15 minutes later i guess you don't want to be the hero then just bury head in sand to pretend like i don't exist and then the see no evil monkey emoji hear no evil monkey emoji speak no evil emoji and then five minutes after that she texts six fire emojis in a row and then 10 minutes after that maybe you will believe me after toronto and then by the way there's a cyber attack in toronto and then there's more texts later but this is so funny to me because just the way like a the way fire emoji is used is always just like hot like that's hot and she's clearly using it as a threat and which that one still makes more sense than from hero to goat emoji which obviously this came out before like simone biles as goat emoji became like really media like hugely media saturated but even before simone biles like people were using goat as greatest of all time and like i don't know tom brady i believe also was a goat so just like does she maybe mean scapegoat i don't know but it just says goat
2: emoji I, I think like that's an older phrase as goat as sort of being like the whipping boy or whatever, but this book was published in 2018 and goat as the greatest is older than that. Like that's, yeah. yeah just, so it just, he did not, I don't think he, he thanked a, a, a um text a young person, our young person of any kind. I hope Chelsea yeah. was like ducking, ducking. <laughs> He's like, dad, not going there. use
1: whatever emojis you want dad i'm busy
2: (laughs) or possibly i don't know how old chelsea's kids are at this point they might be more at the um yeah but i think they're still pretty young but they still might know emojis better than bill
1: yeah and i mean also james as we've discussed james has a whole line of children's books james should have a stronger emoji game frankly or someone on the james patterson team
2: exactly I feel like maybe this whole collaboration process might have been a way for James and Bill to sort of get together and, um, you know, tell war stories and write it off for tax purposes. I'm just saying, not saying there was yeah. anything improper. I'm just guessing that that was maybe one of one of James's um, motivations in doing this is just getting to sit around and hear Bill's stories rather than trying to write a, you know, really plausible and culturally relevant book.
1: I mean, I would say also, I'm sure this book made bank.
2: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, because obviously they made it. They wrote another one. And Hillary has also published one, which we can talk about on recommended reading, probably. Yes.
1: I'm sure the main motivation here was bag of money emoji. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> Very fair. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to read a little bit of his speech from the end. Uh, I'm going to kind of jump around. It's just absurd. Madam Vice President, Mr. Speaker, members of Congress, my fellow Americans... Last night, a dedicated team of American public servants, with the help of two close allies and one brave non-citizen, foiled the most dangerous cyber attack ever launched against the United States or any nation. If fully successful, it would have crippled our military, erased all our financial records and backups, destroyed our electrical grid and transmission networks, broken our water and water purification systems, disabled our cell phones, and more. The attack's likely consequences would have included massive loss of life, damage to the health of millions of Americans of every age, an economic crash greater than the Depression, and violent anarchy in the streets of communities large and small throughout our country. The effect would have reverberated across the world. The wreckage would have taken years to repair, and our economic, political, and military standing would have needed a decade or more to recover. And then he goes on and on for a little bit, and then he's like, sadly, there's also another villain in this tale, Russia. On Saturday, I invited the Russian president, the German chancellor, and the Israeli prime minister to a base of operations I set up not far from here in rural Virginia because of their proven capabilities in cybersecurity and, in Russia's case, cyber attacks. The latter two came and were supportive and helpful. Every American owes Germany and Israel a debt of gratitude. Like, this fucking sounds like he's writing a report card for Russia. Oh. <laughs> the other children in the class were supportive and helpful, but Russia, unfortunately. The Russian president did not come, but sent the prime minister to act sympathetic. We now know that they had already done to support the attack and Why? First, they knew all about it well in advance and refused to tell us even when I asked. That's a direct quote! (laughs) Then, to help the Saudi princes keep their identity secret, they handled the fund transfer Solomon required to pay for the plot and even hired mercenaries and an assassin to support it. Uh, It's just... it's very silly. Yesterday, I took step one, expelling the Russian Prime... Uh, the Russian ambassador and all Russian employees of its embassy in the United States. This is step two making sure the whole world knows they are the world's worst bagmen.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> it's just it's very on like a sentence level in places her partner she's talking about Augie and Nina at this point her partner who was highly suspicious of our government made his way here separately and then contacted us to say the two of them would only deal with me and demanded that I meet him completely alone in a highly public place that is why your president went missing
2: (laughs) it's very dumb that's not even really what happened but okay
0: I haven't even gotten into like the part where he's like, here's everything that I want to do now. (sighs) Like this is first. He literally gives a summary of the book. It's very bad (laughs) and very funny. It's so, yeah, it's upsetting. All right.
1: Anyway, let's, let's move on to some reader's advisory. Great. I I mean, I gotta say if you're a fan of James Patterson and you're looking for more James Patterson books, I have such good news for you. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many.
2: You're fine. <laughs> I put a few book titles in, but I the, I the thing that I most wanted to mention is, especially talking beforehand, I realize y'all might not be familiar with it, but there's a 1992 movie called Sneakers, which is on HBO Max. I checked. I have not rewatched it in a while, but now I'm going to. It's really, it's like kind of, a. if you like leverage, you'd probably dig this. You know, it's like, we've got Robert Redford and um, Mary McDonnell, McConnell, Mary, the, President Rosalind and mm. a lot of folks like that and they are hippie liberals but also s- spy security people. It's very confusing. Um, I can't remember why the premise but they basically the bad guy in that is Ben Kingsley who wants to release all of the secrets in the world because he feels like there's too much secrecy, too much surveillance and Encryption and this is in 1992, which is kind of amazing. Like sort of to see the perspective that they have on that. So it's a fun movie, but it's also kind of an interesting movie, and it has like an explicitly lefty political edge to it. And I, it also, but it actually kind of gets into why the there might be some sympathy to people who think there's too much secrecy and too much encryption and stuff like that. And the movie Mr. I mean, the show Mr. Robot kind of also takes that like sort of anarchist edge to it. So, what I wrote down in this is that by comparison, this Clinton book, perhaps unsurprisingly, is an extremely neoliberal take on that threat because it's very like people might lose their investments and their pensions and their health insurance. And what I wrote in the notes is, yeah, dog, that's been happening. (laughs) and and so it's like you would at least give it a nod to people who'd be like hey i don't have millions of dollars in student loan debt this might be cool i don't want to say i don't actually think it would be cool i think it would be very bad and i think all of the reasons that they give that this would be bad are bad but they sort of like lack like just the very sort of the emphasis on protecting the status quo of people who already have shit that they want to protect sorry mom But the movie is great. It's really fun. And it kind of is a sort of more prescient look at this kind of thing. And then I also if you like like this kind of book and if you're interested in sort of discussion of this kind of thriller and stuff like that, um, just a new podcast that's called Unclear and Present Danger. And it's done by Jamel Bowie and John Gans, who are like they're serious journalists, but they're also kind of movie nerds. And so they have started talking about like the early Tom Clancy adaptations like Hunt for Red October and Patriot Games, I think is the most recent one. So if you kind of want to get on the ground floor, an interesting podcast that goes kind of nerdy on both the politics and the sort of fun, thrillery aspect of this kind of stuff. I thought both of those are are good picks.
0: Uh, we'll have more on the website. I, all the two things I'll throw out are. Two things I've talked about on this show many times and in the newsletter many times. Uh, The first is the West Wing for much better president fan fiction than this book was. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also, you know, there's West Wing fan fiction, if you want fan fiction of the (laughs) fan fiction of the Clinton presidency. And then the other thing, which is interesting that Carrie mentioned Leverage, is I was going to say the Leverage Redemption, the reboot of Leverage, does actually deal with this same topic in one of its episodes, uh, and it was better and funnier, and the characters are are better and nicer, and I love them all very much.
2: I, I'm pretty sure that R- Rogers, the Ledgers creator, has to be a fan of sneakers. I think I may have seen that reference before. Um, and then also, I think we should throw in that Hillary Clinton, collaborating with the mystery writer Louise Penny, who is a better writer than James Patterson, has also put out a book called State of Terror. I have not read it, but it's out there. So if you would like to support that instead of, or in addition to um, Mr. Clinton's um, writing efforts, I think that's worth it. Patreon patrons, keep that
1: in mind, maybe for next year. Check worstpostsellers.com for a book list, Let's move on to The Rock Paper Snicked, where, of course, Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Carrie will choose which most enhances the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. Frankly, uh,
0: if Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in this book, he absolutely would be. He would absolutely be cast in an adaptation of this book as the president's, like, Right hand Secret Service man Alex, 100%.
2: Has he somehow not played a Secret Service agent yet? Because I'm sure we're headed there if we haven't. I mean,
1: I feel like now he's at a point in his career where he's president. Oh,
2: true, true. Good point. I mean,
1: yeah, he, he is president of Legends of Tomorrow. That's right, baby. Readers' advisory: Watch Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> Once again, I am asking.
2: I was gonna see. I think Legends of Tomorrow and Leverage Redemption and West Wing fan fiction are just kind of gibbons at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, if Wolverine
1: were in this book, I think he would adopt the sexy, traumatized assassin Bach as his latest protege. Uh, even though she's not a mutant, she is like. a a young girl who's good at murder and so that is still in wolverine's wheelhouse and so because of wolverine's uh tutelage and help she wouldn't have to be involved with like her whole thing and so she wouldn't have to um kill nina and probably because none of the other assassins were as good as her probably no one would kill nina and so uh, this book would have been cut off really early and and everyone would be
2: fine, basically. Sounds good. Well, OK. I am going to pick Kate, but I'm going to go with one note, the book in which The Rock is a secret service agent. I think that Elizabeth Warren should get to be on the writing staff for that book and she can both rewrite the speech and she could give rock some notes on his performance. Because I think as we all know, Elizabeth Warren would both write a better speech and would love to spend time with the rock.
1: She would love to spend time with him and, and talk about her love of
2: ballers. <laughs> right? Exactly. Her, her noted and documented love of ballers. <laughs> In the movie adaptation, whenever TV is on, it is showing ballers. <laughs>
1: All right, let's move on to Duarte's corner, where my cat Duarte will share his opinions. Yeah, I mean, on the plus side, Duarte, there were no animals being richly sacrificed in this book. <laughs> so that's good. And our sexy assassin, Bach, was a vegetarian, which she made note of because animals were innocents and she would never kill an animal, only like a lot of humans. And so I I get why she's your favorite character. I do think it's worth looking
0: into. I mean, James Patterson's written probably about every other aspect of you know there's been political thrillers about everything else so i do think it makes sense for there to be a political thriller starring a white house cat like you know mm. ca- call him up pitch that that's a that's a good one get in on yeah. that yeah
1: yeah the president's cat socks is not missing
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's doing fine
2: i think socks is, is passed in the now. book in okay i'm, book, so- he's I'm fine. sorry <laughs> don't let duarte know i mean i think that cat would be like 40 by now so yeah probably yeah 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 yeah,
1: yeah. yeah ag- agreed socks there could be a great book about socks probably not written by james patterson but maybe um anyway duarte thanks thanks for your input uh as always do any humans have any closing thoughts this was a book long shuddering sigh a gr- second thought
0: yeah it was fine compared to other things we've read it was fine i've mostly i was frustrated because i put it off and then read taylor's version dropped and i was
2: like i can't actually listen to this (laughs)
0: this book
2: well that is your reward
1: i mean my my closing thoughts are of course thank you Patreon patrons always for your for your support and your enthusiasm and your dollars and other currencies i I mean it just really does mean a lot that people care enough about us to like go to the website and fill out the form and put in your credit card information that's that's so great thank you
0: it is it's nice it's nice it's it's i know i know how how affectionate i feel towards the the services and the people and the you know podcasts and comics and artists and stuff that i support on patreon so knowing there are people out there who feel the same way about us is
1: just like it's it's neat thanks yeah yeah yeah, if you want to come uh, talk to us online, um, well, if if you are a patron, you can talk to us on patreon.com, but even if you are not, we still love you for listening, and you can find us on um, Facebook and Instagram at worst bestsellers, spelled normally, and on Twitter at worst bestseller with no S, because the S was classified for national s- national security reasons, and we really can't tell you and you're being very unpatriotic to keep asking about it so like let's let's bring the country together please mm-hmm. uh, we also have a Goodreads group that's most easily accessed by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on Goodreads you can find us on Stitcher, Apple
0: Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all of the various podcast places. And if you do find us there, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review, then uh, we might have to release a terrible virus that will wipe all of your computers and your Internet of Things, and it'll be really sad for you. And actually, now that I think about it, it's sad for us because then you couldn't listen to the podcast anymore
1: yeah but we'll have no other choice
0: yep uh, you can also subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. Patreon is a service, as we said before, where you would pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like run our website and our editing software and buy these books when we need to buy them. Uh, and in return, you get things like to vote on a poll to choose an episode like this one. Uh, and You also get a newsletter and sometimes stuff in the mail, and it's great. You can also go to worstbestsellers.com to see a link to our merch store, where you can find all sorts of things from our podcast to wear on your body. It's Christmas time, Christmas season, holiday season in general. Shop early, shop now at our merch store by the time this
1: podcast comes out is not shop early time oh i but, guess it's you know, true maybe it's shop early time for someone's birthday if you yeah. know someone with like a january february birthday valentine's podcast merch makes a great valentine's day present very romantic absolutely you could get our sex paperwork notebook yeah. that actually is a little bit romantic maybe it's
2: true <laughs> she'll love it i don't i don't think i knew about that one i might have to explore
0: uh and finally if you go to worstbestsellers.com you can find a link to our discord server where you can join in the conversation with other fans of the podcast you can talk about episodes you can talk about television shows you can talk about books you're reading you can talk about basically whatever you want and we'd be happy to have you there to talk to
1: Carrie, also thanks again for joining us, and thanks for being our first guest, our most enduring guest, our guest who knows the most about the Clinton administration, probably. (laughs) I I think you're saying I'm
2: your oldest guest, is what you're
1: saying. Oldest, but most politically knowledgeable. Okay, I'll take it. All right, well, we'll be back as a podcast in two weeks with our our best of 2021, because there were some good things this year.
2: Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. Um, All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Bye. Bye. I'm not turning off the recording because that's annoying, but let's not say anything podcast worthy. Secrets.